Welcome to Mystical Musings, February 21st, 2016, here in the Mile High City of Denver in the Art of Life Gallery with Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. We're here today amid the largest concentration of art galleries in Colorado in the Art District on Santa Fe Drive. Those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious, who are non-sectarian, non-denominational, non-doctrinaire, are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred communities in America. Thank you for joining us today, creating our community of mystics, people finding unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit. As a community of mystics who know beyond the intellect, spiritual apprehension of truths, I am because we are. I am because we are one, celebrating body and spirit. some competition today. Unexpected competition. Our mystic portal this month, slowing down. Take a breath and say it with me. Slowing down. The sign language for slowing down is your right hand, clockwise circles around your heart, three times. And extending your left hand, touching the fingertips, and bringing your right fingertips toward your wrist, toward the wrist of the left hand. Please slow down. I have found such beauty in American Sign Language. I don't do it, I don't sign, but I sure do love looking it up and finding out this. Please slow down, I like it a lot. Aside from the rapid pace of cultural ferment, how fast are we moving? The Earth revolves around the sun at a speed of 18.5 miles per second. That's over 1,100 miles per minute 
almost 67,000 miles per hour. Our solar system travels at about 500,000 miles per hour. It's a miracle that we hang on. <laughs> In addition to the hyper pace of technological change and the increasing data regarding the spiking of stress-related diseases in America, we all know life is fast-paced and even accelerating. So what is a good suburban mystic to do but slow down? Slow, unhurried, leisurely, steady, sedate, down-tempo, gradual. Reduce speed. Decelerate. Take it easy. Relax. Ease up. Take a break. Slack off. Let up. Hang loose. Chill and relax, which is now chillax. <laughs> Please note that slow has an owl in it. S-L-O-W. So it implies a suffering of sorts. Literally, suffering is etymologically bearing under the surface from the Latin. So when you go slow with the owl contained therein, there's a little bit of suffering in that, going under the surface, a potentially mindful facing of our own suffering a feeling of our suffering, a breathing of our suffering, a letting go of our suffering. Slow, especially at the beginning. Starting the day slowly, meditating on our breath, mindfully breathing. Starting easily, evoking presence with the breath, rather than the past-future Obsessions <laughs> with obsessive thinking first thing. Slow also contains low. And thus, especially at the beginning of the day, starting low, lower than thinking mind, low into the heart, even lower into the center of gravity, a couple inches below the navel, the hara in Japanese, the dantian in Chinese. For Feldenkrais, my teacher, the center of gravity. We start each day slowly, consciously, shifting out of thinking, which can be so fast, jumping around our experience of life, yet while also fixating, often in the past or the future, anywhere but here and now. We start each day by focusing on sensing and breathing, by feeling emotions, and breathing more fully, moving slowly, elegantly, comfortably in repeating patterns of fundamental movements, like the awareness of flexing and extending our spines. So just even sitting right now, a little bit of flexion rounding your back, a little bit of extension coming over the horizon, just tiny, just enough so that there's no strain, no effort. And you're just allowing in this plane that we're mostly skewed in of hunching and slouching, a little lengthening. 
Chillax is cool if we're doing well, but what if we're not? What about if suffering is present? The first noble truth, suffering is. One of the most difficult things for us to accept is that there is no place where there is only happiness and no suffering. This doesn't mean we need to despair, (laughs) though I might by the time we finish this. This doesn't mean that we have to despair because yet another of the noble truths is that suffering can be transformed. If we slow down, breathe more fully, accept our pain without running away from it, we find that although pain is present, joy can also be present at the same time. One of the most challenging things is to slow down and not be overwhelmed by despair. Our mystic practice is to embrace and cradle with a lot of tenderness our own suffering as well as the suffering of the world. With slowing down, insight, wisdom, and compassion, we learn how to suffer well, and so we suffer less. Non-human animals know instinctively how to slow down and stop when they are ill. We humans tend toward not slowing down and thus not knowing how to handle our own suffering and try to cover it up by being good consumers. One of our best tools for transforming suffering is slowing down, pausing, becoming mindful, dwelling in the present moment, knowing what's happening right here, right now. Not thinking about the past or the future, just staying in the now our breath becomes that anchor. Even if you're listening to me talk, you still can attend to your breathing in the background, that it's just a little more full than what you tend towards. Noticing how we use deeper breathing and gentle flowing movement to bring our minds back home to our bodies, stopping thinking and allowing a deepening of presence, realizing the profound effect of slowing down. Namaste. Thomas Aquinas, the great doctor of the Roman Church, was a university professor at the University of Paris in um, the high Middle Ages. And in the Middle Ages, Christianity was largely monastic. So if you had a call, you went to a convent or you went to a monastery and led what was called the Vita Contemplativa, the contemplative life. And Thomas was a contemplative. And he was asked at one point, which is more difficult, the Vita Contemplativa or the Vita Activa? And to the surprise of the the questioner, he said, oh, the Vita Activa, the active life, is much harder because there are so many distractions. 
Now, if there were distractions in the 1300s, <laughs> think of all the distractions we have in our day. So we have a balance between our contemplative time and our active time. But in our day, we're being called more and more to the contemplative life and an emphasis on that and then letting the active life flow out of that. This is a time when I would call this new spirituality uh, very much like the new simplicity. There are a group of Danish composers who in the 1960s decided that they needed to move more towards simplicity rather than the complex music that they were raised in. So I think I'm going to borrow that term and say there is a new simplicity right now on how we can spend our contemplative hours. And I will be talking about that in uh, a few minutes. But I want to warn you that the new contemplation is extremely fun, <laughs> lighthearted, joyful, and easy. I mean, it does take some beholding before we enfold it. We have to make a decision to do it. But once you start doing it, it's hard not to. And so it's an easy call away from the active life. As you know, Lawrence and I put ourselves through the experience, or we're put through the experience of, of whatever we're talking about. And so it is really hard to kind of slow down. You watch yourself in the busyness that you're accustomed to and in the busyness that is um, very much a part of what's considered the American dream. Very much a part of what we were encouraged to do. So we've been doing for a long time, and now there's a call to emphasize more our being. And in our being, there is a way of doing. And that's what I want to talk about uh, in a few minutes. But first, I want to welcome everyone here. It's nice to see the old timers. It's nice to see some people that are new to me. And to see my old friend Linda, whom I've known for about 100 years. <laughs> uh, this is Linda um, with us today. She's become very occupied with kids and grandkids. So we're just having a reunion. So everyone welcome. Thanks for being here. It opens our heart every time we look at you. It makes us rejoice. It makes us so grateful for how blessed we are to live in this community. So, welcome.
Thank you, Myron. I don't know how you do this every time, something new, something different, original, spontaneous compositions that emerge with all of our help, but he's the channeler. Thank you, thank you. I'm always looking for evidence of potential mass positive transformation, as many of you know by now. One such indicator came to me recently when I was in Dallas for the interment of the ashes of my mother. When I was given pause, I slowed down. Something really slowed me down, and that was evidence of the mystical in the military. So a lot of you have that sheet that is uh, situated on a bunch of these chairs, and uh, it's uh, quite remarkable because uh, included in this uh, uh, amazing handout that they gave was uh, uh, iconography for Buddhism, for the Native American Church of North America, for Sufism reoriented, whichever, whatever that means, Ekankar, uh, humanist emblem of spirit, I'd never heard of that, Wicca, Wicca in the military, they, they allow Wicca, that was really quite awesome, uh, the Celtic cross as well, and uh, that, that was a bit of a surprise, as you might imagine, when I uh, uh, got down to Dallas for the internment and seeing all these options in the military. So that, that was just an example of slowness. And talk about slow. How about Pope Francis and Patriarch Kirill of the Russian Orthodox Church meeting in the VIP lounge in Havana, suturing the great schism of 1054? <laughs> For the first time in a thousand years, the Roman Catholic pontiff and the head of the Russian Orthodox Church met face-to-face -face with an exclamation appropriate by the Pope of, finally. <laughs> Some changes are just slow in coming. <laughs> Picking up from one of our recent indicators of transformation, the rise of the sharing economy, wherein participants would rather rent than own, often reflected in the consuming habits of the millennial generation, an interesting twist. The trend that consumers are finding more satisfaction and status and experiences rather than material possessions has now spread to the very wealthy. Renting is now shedding its déclassé image as the 1% are now renting automobiles, designer frocks, private jets, flashy diamond jewelry, spacious villas, and sleek yachts. The wealthy are taking a cue from the sharing economy epitomized by peer-to-peer -peer sharing of many goods and services, city bike programs, and Uber, the ride-sharing app. There is a budding enthusiasm for a more uncluttered lifestyle, which includes more choices and is convenient. The sharing economy, a meme whose time has come. Yet another candidate for incipient evidence for mass positive transformation for this month, a minuscule bleep. Some of you may have heard it on NPR. A minuscule bleep produced by an event a billion light years distant from Earth. Talk about a slow train. A billion light years coming to us. Scientists almost universally tell us that a vast new window on the universe has just been opened with the apparent proof of the existence of gravitation waves theorized by Albert Einstein a hundred years ago, proved by a little tiny bleep. And everybody got real excited about that and I thought, uh-oh, what's going on here? This is getting really strange. 
As these gravity waves move through space, they cause distances between objects alternately to decrease and increase in an oscillatory manner. Our living rooms don't appear to shrink and grow repeatedly, but they do, even in the absence of alcohol and other substances. <laughs> Scientists discovered these gravity waves emanating from a collision of two massive black holes a billion light years from Earth. Remember, each light year is six trillion miles. <laughs> that's a billion times six trillion, and that's the distance we're talking about here. This collision generated more energy than was being created by all the rest of the stars in the observable universe. From the observation of this remarkable event, windows are opening up upon our understanding of the beginning of the universe and even whether there are other universes. I do not pretend to understand any of this, only that the ones who do tell us that this is a really big deal. <laughs> and since every time we have built new eyes to observe the universe, our understanding of ourselves and our place in it has forever been altered. But the incipient evidence for mass positive transformation upon which I would like to focus is the fact that there is a worldwide slow movement unfolding. And of course, by definition, it is emerging at a snail's pace. But it is increasingly widespread. Slow movement seeks to address the issue of time poverty by making connections, fostering a sense of union, and is thus right up our mystic's alley. The slow movement includes slow travel, slow cities, slow food, slow schools, slow books, slow living, and slow money. The underlying basis of all these slow approaches is a search for connection, wanting a connection with all that living is about, a connected life, a life of union, in a broad sense, a mystic life. It is not so long ago that the extended family was a real live entity with multi-generations under the same roof, fostering an inherent sense of connectedness. In these not too long ago times, people were connected to their food. Most people grew their own veggies and some fruit. Backyard vegetable gardens were the norm, not the exception. Many families had a house cow for milk, cheese, butter, cream. Most families also had poultry or other meat animals. Our fast pace of life is weakening, if not destroying, and at least replacing these connections of yore. Our life now is comprised of busyness, constant fast-forward motion, overscheduled weeks and days, and lots of stress and rushing. We rush at work when eating, being with loved ones, and even getting to our next time of leisure. The slow movement is a worldwide awakening toward a new, ancient level of connectedness. One of the primary tenets of the slow movement is a connectedness that is found by looking within. Sound familiar? Sounds pretty mystic to me. When we look within, we see that we are complete and our life is complete. We no longer have to strive and climb the employment ladder or improve our social status. We see that we are part of an infinitely complex whole, the interdependence of all things. The most difficult part of realizing this interconnectedness is slowing down our minds, 
basic mystic 101, but unfamiliar to so many these days. Slow living is mindful living. Mindfulness, as so many of you know deeply, is simply being present in this moment, here and now. Our minds are all too often somewhere else, especially the past or the future, anywhere but here. Slow living is all about taking the time to breathe more fully. To sense more fully. To feel more deeply. To move with more joy. Slow living, mindful living is about awareness, presence, just being here now in this. As we open to more awareness, what emerges organically are new dimensions of well-being, integrity, wisdom, compassion, and loving kindness. Thus, new insights of our profound connectedness emerge from embracing slowness. The slow movement was sparked by one man's protest in 1986 against the opening of a McDonald's in one of the great piazzas of Rome. Out of this grew slow cities, which Meyer and I got to experience personally when we were in Italy in 2005, where the emphasis was upon wonderful foods, lovingly prepared as only the Italians can do, and where cities closed down for periods of time during the daytimes. A somewhat maddening experience for this American guy who had come to experience service at all hours, but who eventually was charmed by the slower pace of everything. Slowness is the forgotten dimension of time. Unlike chronological time, it is nonlinear. Time here, now. Time that works for you. Extraordinary time. So why be fast when you can be slow? Slowness is also about balance. So if you must hurry, hurry slowly. <laughs> The World Institute of Slowness, the World Institute of Slowness, was founded in 1999, emphasizing that the best thinking also comes from a walk in the slow lane. From the great Lily Tomlin, the trouble with the rat race is that even if you win, you're still a rat. Slow church is a movement in some Christian communities. Slow cinema is a style of filmmaking that utilizes calculated slowness to impact the viewer. Slow counseling is spreading slowly, of course, but spreading it is. Slow fashion is an alternative to mass-produced products. Slow gardening, slow goods, slow marketing, slow media, slow television, slow money, slow parenting, slow photography, and slow technology. On and on the slow train goes, slowly gaining popularity all over the planet and is thus this month's prime candidate for incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. <sighs> Shalom. Christ be with you. Assalamu alaikum. Adu. Adios. Aloha. Namaste. We honor the place in you wherein the entire universe dwells. 
We honor the place in you which is of truth, of love, of light and dark, and of peace. As you are in that place in you and we are in that place in us, we are fundamentally slowing down, embracing our oneness. Namaste. So I want to talk um, for a few minutes about slow spirituality. And this is in contrast to so much of our spiritual experience over the last 40 or 50 years, which has been a lot about reading a lot of books, forming a lot of theories, going to workshops and seminars, teaching, flying all over the world to sacred sites. And now there's something different happening because instead of going out there, we are asked to come in here. As I said last time we were together, a practice that I was recommending was to love your own heart. Love your own heart, which you can do standing in line, you can do in the shower, you can do when you're sitting, you can do when you're driving. Loving your heart. Now, loving your own heart means that you're also loving the inner child. And the inner child is, with this practice, being loved in a way he or she hasn't experienced before because we take our time. We take our time, we sit and just bless our own heart and bless the inner child who is the source of our spirituality, the source of our magic. And we love our heart because this is what we open to the divine. This is where the divine presence comes into us, into our hearts. That's where we are touched and moved. This is where we know. The heart has a way of knowing the head doesn't know anything about. And knowing is divine knowing. So knowing the presence is being able to bring that your own love and the, and the love of the divine presence into your own heart. So instead of going out and doing a lot of activities, the new spirituality is saying stay in, stay with yourself and love yourself, love yourself. So this month I've been practicing that. It's the sweetest kind of meditational um, device I've ever used. And so when I'm meditating, I'm meditating in my heart. I'm loving my heart when I meditate. Now I also began the practice of loving my body. Years ago, our friend Sylvia Flesner amazing healer and naturopathic physician, had many of us sitting in the tub once a week, 
a tub with with uh, chamomile tea and Epsom salts and hydrogen peroxide, and then we were to take a a washcloth and then start at our feet and talk to our feet and tell them how much we appreciate them, how much we love that they dance, how much that we love that they take us up mountains, on hikes, as much as we can, we love them. So doing that again was really wonderful. So scanning the body, it only takes a minute and it's a lot of fun just scanning the body and bringing love into every part of the body. And there is something so profoundly relaxing about that, that it is not at all an experience you want to miss. It's one that you invite. Now, I also spoke about loving your feelings last time. And this is loving whatever feeling comes up. Now, we are mystics, which means we want to feel our lives. We don't want to detach from them and look at them. We want to live our lives and feel our lives. And so we take into our hearts any feeling, the challenging ones, fear, anger, grief, the joyful ones, joy, happiness, bliss. We surround those feelings with love and we sit with them, surrounding them with love. So if I am fearful, then I can sit with that fear and feel the fear because that's a part of what is there for me. And what we are wanting to do is to love whatever is there for us. Whatever is in front of us, we want to love no matter what it is. So if we're late, we want to love the part of us that makes us late. We don't want to go into judgment. So we feel the feelings all the way through and let our heart pound if it's fear or let ourselves do whatever we do when we're angry. Let ourselves cry when we're sad, but always loving those and cherishing those feelings, loving them and enfolding them. They are enfolded as friends. And then as they're recognized and they're loved by us, they get their message across and then they leave. <clears throat> to be transformed in the divine presence. Now on the mental level, this has been really, really helpful to me because I'm such a mental being. I'm way too educated and, uh, and way too much of a scholar. But that's where I came from. So <laughs> I love the fact that I was a scholar. I love the fact that 
I read a lot of books. I love that part of me. However, now I move to something much simpler with my mental body. So when I get caught up in all the chatter, you know, which we do, I send love to the chattering mind. Just send love to it. You will be amazed. You just send love to it. Lawrence said to me once this week, I'm getting so wrapped up in things. So much to do. So busy. In my mind, I can't stop. And I said, try my technique. <laughs> Send love to it. And I mean, within seconds, he was smiling. So this is my favorite way of dealing with the monkey mind. The most effective way that I've ever found. Also, in the, the emotional body, besides welcoming those emotions in and loving them, when I spend time with them, I find something different. So if I think, okay, I'm feeling uptight, I'm feeling fearful, I'm feeling anxious, though I fear, I, I love that fear and bring it into me, my next question is, what are you really feeling? What are you really feeling? And when I ask myself th that, it's not fear. What I'm really feeling is joy, profound peace, and connectedness. Because when we get to the bottom of all those feelings, that's who we are. We go to the place in us that's peaceful all the time. All the time. No matter what's going on out here, there is a profound peace. And so I, uh, I offer that for you to, when you're doing your feelings. They end by going and saying, well, what am I really feeling? Because sometimes these things are just like automatic. You know, you're used to feeling a certain way when you get up in the morning and, and it's not at all how you're feeling. So when we slow down with our feelings, it will take us to a place of peace. In our spiritual life, meditating while loving your heart is a true revelation. It means that when you meditate, you smile. Because when you're loving yourself and loving your heart, you're smiling. Because every part of you is smiling. It's like, okay, it's, it's been about time that you came and held me. So, right? So I hold that emotion and that just feels so wonderful to that part of me that is being held. So meditating from the heart is a practice that I don't think I will change. All I do is slow down my breathing and slowing down the breathing makes a big difference in how we open ourselves. So slowing down the breathing 
And then just sitting in the sea of love, we create by loving ourselves. Now, there is a new spirituality that exalts all this. I mentioned last time a couple of internet uh, gurus, young, young guys, the next generation. Uh, so Matt Kahn and Story Waters were two of the ones that I mentioned. And they're into the new simplicity. And they teach, and it's certainly verified by own experience, that if you want to bless the world, bless yourself. Bless yourself. And all of that goes out into the collective, beautifully flows into the world, loving ourselves cherishing ourselves is how we change the world. This is how we support the evolution that's going on right now is through our own hearts. It's very different emphasis from what's gone before, but it makes so much sense. And if you do these practices of cherishing yourself, of treasuring yourself, you will feel that there's a huge field that is influencing the collective. Now, when you're with a beloved and you want to really have a connection, if you love your heart, when you're with that person, then the only person that exists is that person. You don't bring all your history into it, all your history of your relationship. You don't do that. You don't go to the mind. That puts up a boundary. It's unpleasant. We don't want. So love your heart when you're with others that you love. Or when you are you're having uh, clients, if you're a counselor, and many of you here, <coughs> loving yourself transfers to the, pa to the patient, and it makes a very, very big difference. Now, the same thing can be said about the way we apprehend, behold, nature. So if we have in our hearts an openness and we're loving ourselves, then all of nature seems to be loving us too. So on the retreat I did the last week of January, I was walking along a, a hiking path that's very um, high, maybe 10,000 feet, I don't know, over the San Luis Valley, which is vast and gorgeous. And so uh, when I was walking, I was loving my heart and, and loving Mother Nature. And I was saying, I'm one with the earth, I'm one with the Divine Mother. And that was my mantra. And then I would stop and look at this amazing valley and the huge mountains in the, in the distance and stop and enfold them. I wanted to bring back the mystical energy of that valley and of those mountains. So I just opened my heart and bring them in. And you don't go to then describing it, right? You go to feeling it and it comes home with you. 
So you see how simple this is and how unmetaphysical, right? I mean, it's so simple in its beauty. And the thing is, you will catch yourself when you're telling yourself to slow down. You will catch yourself the fourth time you look at your email in an hour and say, I'm not doing that. There's something else I can do. And so sitting in front of the computer, slowing down my breath, closing my eyes, and bringing love into my heart with the knowledge that I'm bringing that heart, that knowledge, that love into the collective and blessing it and helping the ascension that we're involved in right now, the evolution of the planet, bringing it closer to everyone's heart. So I promise you, you will have fun doing this. It's easy, it's beautiful, and it feels great. And I'm all for that. Feeling great.
What follows as we begin to complete for today is uh, a mystic mash, and that is inspiration drawn from many different sources, the attributions of which are on the table behind me, if you care to know them. So I would invite you to sit tall, open position, arms and legs uncrossed, your option, just an invitation. Noticing your breathing just a little more fully so that you can take this in as if a prayer, so that it's an embodied prayer where your breath and your listening are intimately combined. In this media-drenched, data-rich, channel-surfing, computer-gaming age, we have lost the art of doing nothing, of shutting out the background noises and distractions, of slowing down, and simply being alone with our experiences. Slow down. Life is crossing the road. Sometimes I think that there are only two instructions we need to follow to develop and deepen our spiritual life. Slow down and let go. In Praise of Slowness examines how the world got stuck in fast forward and chronicles a global trend towards putting on the brakes. That trend is called the slow movement. Slow in this context does not mean doing everything at a snail's pace. It means doing everything at the right speed. If you want to get to the good stuff, you need to slow down. It's important to slow down every now and then for no other reason than to call someone to just say hi. It doesn't have to be a long conversation. Just calling out of the blue does more to let someone know you still care about them than nearly anything else. One thing at a time, all things in succession. That which grows fast withers as rapidly, and that which slowly grows endures. Let thy step be slow and steady, that thou stumble not. Everything that slows us down and forces patience, everything that sets us back into the slow circles of nature is a help. Gardening is an instrument of grace. Wisely and slow, they stumble that run fast. If you want to connect with people who are in distress and great grief and scared, you need to do it in a certain way. I move kind of slow, I talk kind of slow. I let them know that I respect them. Be slow to speak and only after having first listened quietly so that you may understand the meaning, the leanings, 
and the wishes of those who do speak. Thus you will better know when to speak and when to be silent. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from a horse master. He told me to go slow, to go fast. I think that applies to everything in life. We live as though there aren't enough hours in the day, but we do each thing calmly and carefully as if we get it done quicker and with much less stress. In order to go fast well, we need to go slow, skillfully. Slow down. Life is crossing the road.